2: And we are live. Welcome to the NBA strategy show final 2020 edition. So it is Thursday, December 31st. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Greg Ehrenberg and we are here to break down this four and a half game slate. Depends where you're at. Four on FanDuel, five on DraftKings. But let's start here. Greg, how are you?
0: A pretty good, actually. Maybe a little bit of a lie. It, it is New Year's. Last night's NBA games absolutely sucked. Most of them were blowouts. My lineups were terrible, so I couldn't watch the games. I had nothing to cheer for. So that was no good. It was it was just watching games Be like, I hope my guys come back in, in the third quarter to get some min caches. Uh, but other than that, we've got tonight, and this is an interesting slate. I'm very interested to see the Houston Rockets, and like we talked a little bit before the show, we've got Uh, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins making the Rockets debut this is a really tough situation to figure out from a fantasy perspective but I'm pretty excited to watch it play out
2: yeah you and me both Um, I'm excited to see this Kings Rockets game more than any other game on the slate I think it's a it's a game with a total that is not anywhere near any other team like it's 230 total on King's Rockets. Everything else is around like 215 to 218. So I think it's going to be a fantasy bonanza. And I also don't have any idea what the Rockets are going to be doing, integrating three new guys and what, I mean, like 30, 60, like, I don't know, 75 minutes that weren't there a week ago, maybe more. Who knows? I'm excited to talk about it though.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then not to mention,
2: it's not just three new guys. It's guys who
0: haven't played in forever. John Wall hasn't played since, I don't know, like the, the the Cold War or something.
2: It's been a minute since we've seen John Wall on a basketball court. It has. And Cousins hasn't exactly been uh, frequenting the basketball courts either. We will get into all of that. Let's just start it off here. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. Do all of that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Josh Engelman, at G. Ehrenberg, DFS because I know that off the top of my head now. (laughs) Uh, Let's just dive right in. So first game up on the docket, Philly at Orlando. Uh, Philly three-point favorites in Orlando, 218 total. This game is not on the FanDuel main slate. FanDuel's only got four games, so we're going to be talking a little bit more from a DraftKings perspective here. Uh, Let's start on the Philly side. Not really all that much ownership coming in. Uh, to anybody from Philly, Joel Embiid around 15%, Danny Green at 11%, nobody else in double digits. Um, I'm not all that wild about anything on the Philly side. Does anybody stand out to you immediately that you want to get from the Sixers?
0: No, the only thing that stands out to me is I don't really like any of these guys. I mean, one of the issues too, I mean, Joel Embiid is 10,000, Ben Simmons is 9,200. So this is the second and third most expensive players on the slate. And with both of them in the lineup, they kind of cut into each other's pr- uh, production. So it makes it hard to really see the upside in either of them. If I had to roster one of them, it would be Embiid over Simmons, but still going against the magic is a pretty tough matchup. This was one of the best defense in the league last year. And Orlando plays at such a slow pace that they mute a lot of fantasy production. And then you also have Tobias Harris, who's generally sucked this year, but he also had one good game earlier in the week when when Embiid was a late scratch and that kind of inflated his price a little bit, so all I considered, I think that Philly is arguably the worst team on the slate to target.
2: Yeah, I'm not all that fond of them. I think Embiid is properly owned. I think Danny Green is probably pretty close to properly owned. I don't mind going to Tobias Harris at 7100 if he's going to be like nine percent owned, but it's not some sort of smash spot. I'm not trying to sift through Shake Milton or Seth Curry and you know Ben Simmons at 9200 at four and a half percent ownership. I mean, I I feel like I should be interested just because he's unowned on a five game slate, but I'm really not like this is, it's just not a fun team to roster from DFS standpoint. I I wish I had a hot take or something here. It's like (laughs) they're not getting owned and I don't think they should. Nothing looks all that great. I mean, I assume now that one of these guys is just going to go out and absolutely smash, but I don't see who that would be or what really stands out. No,
0: it's it's all those all those guys they're they're underowned, but it's also because they're overpriced, right? Like even if those guys have really good games, I'm I'm not sure how li- likely any of them are to make it into an optimal lineup anyway. So it's it's really just not a lot to see there. And then we we talk about the magic side, and it's not really all that much different.
2: No, it's it's really not. Uh, we've got Vooch fournier ross and mcw all about 10 percent owned all things like you know the difference between 10 11 12 is all the same on the slate and i don't think that anybody from orlando should be 10 percent owned every single person on orlando came in at nine percent or below in my first run of sims what do we do here is this just like a basically a full fade game on a five gamer
0: uh it's kind of close to it. Uh the the player I have the most interest in from this entire game is gonna well, first of all, we have to make sure because Aaron Gordon's been on a minutes restriction. So yeah. I'll say that if we find out that Aaron Gordon's no longer going to be playing, you know, twenty to twenty-two minutes, if he's gonna be a guy who you now they say, Hey, no restriction for Aaron Gordon, he's playing full minutes, then he becomes a player of interest. But as of right now, as somebody who's playing uh, his minutes before this year, 22, 20 minutes in the last couple of games on minutes restriction. You, you just can't play him in that kind of playing time. Uh, so that's one thing to keep out for is maybe Aaron Gordon has his minutes restriction lifted. The guy that I actually like the most is going to be Markel Fultz. And I think people are just going on to play him based on, you know, dumb revenge narratives, but here's the reality. Markel Fultz is actually a good basketball player. Now when he was on Philadelphia, I don't know what the hell happened there, right? Like all of a sudden he just, he just, he sat out with a mystery injury for an entire year. Then he came back and, didn't know how to shoot the basketball, but he's still a guy who was picked number one in the draft for a reason. And he's been good for the magic this year. His usage, his usage is really high. Uh, He has a steady role with them. So, I mean, you look at his usage to start the year, 24%, 35%, 22%. He scored over 30 fantasy points in every game so far this year. So Markel Fultz is somebody who I I think makes the most sense. But with that said, this isn't somebody who I'm dying to get in my lineups either.
2: Now projected for 7% ownership, That's about where I think it should be. This is like the least exciting game ever in DFS history. (laughs) Honestly, I I don't know what to make of it. Like everybody's essentially priced correctly or maybe like two or $300 higher than they should be. And it's creating a scenario where nothing looks good. So if you have to roster one guy from either one of these teams, it's who? It would be Fultz
0: from the Magic. Okay. And then from the Sixers, I guess it would be Embiid, just because he has the most upside, and he's a guy who has potential to to break any slate at any time. But still, not somebody that I'm going to be getting in most of my lineups. I think my dummy lineups made for the morning. I had it's like four percent Embiid, so it's yeah. it, it, but that's still more than anybody else I had on that roster. So so that take that for what it's worth.
2: Yeah, like I want to say that I like Danny Green today at 3700 and then I have to remind everybody that it's Danny Green and he could just as easily have like 6 fantasy points today. It's a value option, but it's not a particularly good one. I've got nothing left here. I I don't think that we should be talking about Philly and Orlando any longer. <laughs> We've milked it dry. We we really have and I like I can't even something is going. I can't even like scroll in my model file right now. I'm just I'm trapped. I have no ability to click on anything. My mouse is just not working. Well, I Only to minimize things. <laughs> well, your mouse it really wanted
0: nothing more to do with that Sixers magic game. It just crashed your computer.
2: It, it really did. Like, I can't, no matter if I hit the scroll wheel, it's just dead. So I'm closing out of everything right now, trying to reopen it. This is great. Uh, this is a great show <laughs> for everybody. I hope you're, you guys are enjoying Josh opens Excel Incorrectly, It's a great show. I hope everybody enjoys it. Perfect so, opportunity while I'm filling air to hit the like <laughs> button at the very least.
0: Uh, the next game, by the way, is Rockets King. So while you're figuring that out, we could just have a base conversation anyway about the Houston Rockets and the situation there because – that's something you don't really need to have all that much information out because we could just talk about some of the facts of this game. And that is John Wall making his Rockets debut, Demarcus Cousins making his Rockets debut. They have a whole host of other guys coming back from COVID. This is a team who they had to have their first game of the game, the first game of the season canceled because they couldn't field eight players. So they're getting all kinds of guys back. For the most part, we're only, you know, a few games into the season. So I'm largely using the rotations and the information we've seen to base how many minutes people are playing. And I don't know what to, to do with this Rocket situation because yeah. I, we, we've got two extremely high usage players in John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins being integrated into a new team. They're also coming off, it's not actual COVID issues, but who knows how much practice they've been getting, who knows what kind of shape they're in. And then in general, anyway, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins have been injured so much over the last couple of years that I don't know how that's going to integrate with James Harden what that's going to do to his usage. So I think I'll start with with this side josh i don't i don't know how you're doing with your situation there, I'm, ba- but
2: I'm back in business we could do all right, this cool. like I'm, normal
0: there we go i'm happy to, i'm happy to see that i was able to fill just enough time to get you to get that up and running
2: <laughs> rockets five point favorites at home against the kings 230 total we'll start on the sacramento side uh, there's a lot to like here, but there's also some ownership coming in. Buddy Heald is at 25% on FanDuel. Darren Fox at 35%. Bagley at tw- plus uh, over 20%. Harrison Barnes just shy of 20%. Um, on the Houston side, we'll get into that in a little bit. On DraftKings, it's kind of a similar story. These guys are all in like the 11 to 20% range. If I'm just talking from a Sacramento perspective, I like Buddy Heald. I like De'Aaron Fox. I like Bagley. I love this game in general just because I think it's going to be a track meet. Um, Fox, a very key piece of my contenders videos this morning. Go check those out, everybody. Who is your favorite Sacramento King today?
0: Um, so it's going to be a little bit different on different sides. So starting with FanDuel, it's going to be Buddy Heald. Just from the perspective of the shooting guard is such a difficult position to fill tonight. So, yeah. so that's going to make him somebody who really stands out to me. Then on the DraftKings side, probably De'Aaron Fox, although for GPPs, there's a case to be made for Bagley just because yeah. his usage is so high when he's on the court, but the minutes aren't really there for him. But if there's going to be a situation where – and I I think against the Rockets, a team that's going to be playing a lot of Christian Wooden and DeMarcus Cousins, the Kings are probably going to want to go bigger. So I think this sets up a situation where Bagley could get extra run. Um, so I think that he's a really strong – uh, high upside play uh, also because it's hard to find cheaper guys who are viable on the slate. But I mean, look at the usage for Bagley so far this season, 25%, 31, 28, 27 in the game. So, I mean, he's on the court, he's playing for our fantasy teams, right? He's touching the ball. He's shooting it. Uh, just the minutes aren't always there because he's not really making a lot of those shots that he's shooting no. all the time. Uh, but I think not. this is, I, I think that just because of the matchup, they're probably going to need to stretch him to play extra minutes tonight.
2: I like the call. Bagley is the guy that pops up the most in my sims on the DK side. Uh, it's Fox on Fanduel, and then it's not particularly close in that scenario, which is interesting to me. Like he's thirty-five percent owned. I think it could be even higher than that. That's going to be a number that I'm paying close attention to uh, as we get closer to lock because I have him at like around forty-four percent. And if that's the case, I'm going to end up with a bunch of Fox, and I'm totally cool with that. Seventy-nine hundred, not a problematic price tag. Um, dominating the ball. Let's see. Alex has not projected for just north of forty fantasy points on Fandle. I think that looks pretty good. Uh, I just I can't see a scenario where I don't have a ton of this game. Fox, Bagley, Barnes, and Healed all showing up in my in with in my sims north of twenty five percent. Same sort of scenario on DK. Although you can even get into more like Rashawn Holmes or Halliburton. Heald is the only guy I don't know what to do with. I don't understand his usage rate this year. It makes no sense to me. He's just like the opposite of everything that he's ever been. And I don't know how to project him moving forward. Does he go back to being like a normal mid twenties guy or does he continue being sub 20%? I don't know. I assume it starts to normalize, but it's been weird so far. All right. So I,
0: I think I have a little bit of an answer for you there. He's just not making shots so far this year. So I think that's just deterring him from shooting. Another thing, too, is, I, this is it's always hard to really play into narratives and wondering how much this matters. But think about the situation the Kings had last year, right, where Buddy Heald was a guy who they gave a big contract to. He was a core part of the rotation. And then by the second half of the year, he was barely playing for them. So I think it's reasonable to think that maybe that shook his confidence a little bit. And then you get to the start of the year where he's just not making shots. And I think that makes him a little bit gun shy. That's at least the logic I'm applying to it. But he's also one of the better shooters in the NBA still, right? I mean, as a three-point shooter, he's somebody we've seen shoot around 40% in the past. So I think eventually he's going to start
2: making With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry,
1: we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce
2: you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Taking those shots and then is just usage is going to normalize. I think this is really a situation of a guy who <clears throat> is just in and out of the rotation over the last whatever 30 games or so and is just kind of trying to find his footing
2: anything else you want to touch on from the king side before we switch over to this random number generator of the rockets <laughs> no because
0: i'm very excited to talk about the rockets
2: excited might not be the word that i'm looking for but uh, it, they're certainly interesting today um I don't know what they're going to do from a rotation standpoint. Can they play Boogie and Christian Wood together? I didn't set it up like that. I gave Christian Wood 32 minutes. I gave Boogie the other 16 at center. I'm hoping that that's just the split. Clearly, P.J. Tucker could also play there if need be, although it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case moving forward now that they have two functional centers, or at least Close to two functional centers. James Harden is eleven five on FanDuel. He's 11K on DraftKings. Picking up a ton of ownership on FanDuel, 37% right now, uh, 20% on DraftKings. I'm not super interested in Harden, particularly on FanDuel. I think he's a little over-owned, especially with Wall and Gordon and Cousins all coming back. What do you want to do with Harden? So I, I put a little
0: bit of thought into this this morning just because I had no clue what to do with the usage rating here. Right, I, It's just not knowable information. We're, we're adding all these new pieces in. Rotations are going to be different. The chemistry is probably going to be a little bit wonky. But the upside is still obviously there for Harden. I mean, there's right. no denying that it could be there. So my gut feeling is just whatever his ownership ends up being, I'm probably going to try to match the field. And it's like this is not what's going to make or break my night because it, it's just so much information that – there's so many inputs there's so many variables that it's hard to be confident that in James Harden having a bad game having a good game because you could equally argue that James Harden has seen a lot of attention from defenses this year and now with all this other talent added around him he's going to be facing softer defense where teams aren't going to be able to double and they're not going to be able to base their defense entirely around defending James Harden so I could see it going multiple ways and I'm just probably going to align myself with the field on him and say this isn't what's going to make or break my night
2: yeah I that is basically where I'll be as well. His numbers look a little bit better to, on DraftKings for me relative to ownership. On FanDuel, I think I would end up just being a little light. The number that we really need to talk about, 7K John Wall on FanDuel, north of 30% ownership. That feels high, but at the same time, we don't know what John Wall is going to be. We don't know his playing time. We don't know his talent level any longer. He's a full wild card. How much how much playing time are you expecting for John Wall today? First game back in however long this has been? So I mean if we look in the preseason, he
0: played a healthy amount of minutes. The, the last two preseasons game the last two preseason games, he played 24 and 25 minutes. It's only going up from there. So I, I'm not like massively concerned. He's not gonna play 40 minutes or anything, obviously, but I think that I think that like 32 minutes is very reasonable. That's that's what I have him for right now, just considering okay. what he played in the preseason. Uh, am I confident in any projection I have with John Wall? No, except you look at the preseason, he looked good visually. Uh, he played a healthy amount of minutes. His usage rating was high. His his permanent production was outstanding. I understand it's preseason. I don't want to put weight into it, but, I mean, what else am I going to put weight into, right? We haven't seen yeah. John Wall play in almost three years. So our options are the three preseason games he played or games where he was on a different team on the Wizards were before he tore his ACL and before he tore his Achilles. So. I, I think that John Wall is probably a good play for his price tag. The ownership is a little high also considering the risks, but it's yeah. not hard to see a scenario where he just destroys.
2: The Real Draft King in YouTube chat says, we don't know John Wall's talent level. Really? Yeah. I mean, this guy has not been an NBA player for over two years. I have no idea what he is going to be now that he's coming back. So, I mean, we know, we know what peak John Wall is, right?
0: We know, we know if everything right. goes well and he's the same player he is. But he's torn his Achilles. He's torn his ACL. He hasn't played in forever. So, yes, we don't to, – to be more clear about it, we know what his actual talents are. We just don't know how much they may have deteriorated since we last saw him. He could have just aged out anyway, or maybe he got better, right? Maybe he like j- worked on jump shot. He always had a suspect jump shot back in the day. Maybe he's like a 38% three-point shooter or, or right now. There's, there's so many ways this could go when you haven't seen somebody play for a while.
2: Yeah, this was a guy that uh, relied on heavy athleticism and then had two lower body injuries. I don't know what that makes him be when he comes back. Um, we're about to find out, though. Other guys are picking up ownership. Daniel House, 17% on Fanduel. Christian Wood, uh, just shy of 20. Eric Gordon, around 13%. Wood picking up 20% on DraftKings. Christian Wood is 8,800 on Fanduel. He is 7,300 on DK. What do you want to do with Christian Wood, especially with Boogie back? Does Boogie bite his time?
0: So this is a total cop-out answer. But I want to see the starting lineup here. And then I'm going to figure out what to really make of the minutes here. Because we could see a situation, like you said, where it's DeMarcus Cousins plays 16 minutes and Wood plays 32. It could be more of a time split between the two. We could see the two of them start in the front court and play minutes together. So I'm going to make a lot of decisions based on what I see the starting, uh, once I see the starting lineup. Because I think that'll make it a little bit easier to set minutes. Right now, it's it's really just a guess.
2: I think the guy that I like the most on this team might be Daniel House because he's cheap, and that is not a comfortable feeling when you're integrating three guys into uh, the rotation today. What do you want to do with someone like House, who's not exactly a good per-minute guy, but 4100 on FanDuel, 4400 on DK, probably a little too expensive there. Uh, does House stand out to you at all? Are you going to Eric Gordon or Tucker? Anything else for the Houston Rockets? All right, so my, my initial
0: dummy build I made for DraftKings, I didn't really get to Daniel House, but on FanDuel I did. And the reason is just because, well, FanDuel, there's only four games on the slate, and the small forward position is so thin. Right, you've got yeah. Brandon Ingram at ninety four hundred, who's overpriced, right? That's that's a very steep price for Brandon Ingram. And then you get down, it's OG Ananobi at sixty five hundred, he's a little bit overpriced, RJ Barrett at sixty two hundred in a tough matchup against the Raptors, and he's generally sucked this year also. So then you just kind of get to a point where it's like, who do I like at small forward on FanDuel? And the answer is probably nobody. So then you just kind of go down to some of the cheaper options, and it's it's like, all right, who's, who's a viable play? Who could get minutes at, at a cheap price? And Daniel House is probably going to play somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to 30 minutes, assuming he still starts for the Houston Rockets. And at the 4100 price tag, he's generally not a super high usage guy anyway. So maybe he's somebody who could really benefit from playing with some of these high usage guys just because it's going to get him more open looks.
2: Oh, Daniel House. Yeah, 4,100 for that position on Fandle is kind of tough for me to ignore. I actually gave him a little bit more playing time. I don't know who's going to win the battle of Jayshon Tate, David Nawaba, Sterling Brown... I'm giving those all of those guys like minimal minutes so that they're not interesting. It wouldn't shock me if one of those guys ends up playing 20 and becomes like a mild value. but I, I feel like House's minutes are probably safe just because everybody that's coming back isn't really overlapping with him. He sort of fits in his own mold. Like he, like I don't I don't know who would take the minutes. Do you think Gordon gets big minutes here or are they, is he slow to get back into the, the rotation?
0: I mean, it depends what it depends what we mean by big. Like, I mean, I think that he plays. I think he probably plays more minutes than House, um, or at least comparable. Okay. Like, I don't. I don't think there's going to be. I'll put it this. I don't think there's going to be a massive uh, difference in playing time between Eric Gordon and Daniel House. I think they'll be about comparable.
2: Uh, I have House by two minutes today. We'll see where that actually ends up. Anything else you want to touch on from the Rockets?
0: Uh, No, I think we hit on everybody. uh, Just. Hmm. I, I hope the starting lineup doesn't bring anything. weird. Like if it's like Tate starting over Daniel House or something, or if we have if we have Nawabba starting and House coming off the bench, then I really have no clue what to do with the cheap guys. All
2: right, one more before we take a little bit of a break: the New York Knicks taking on the Toronto Raptors. Raptors are nine point favorites, two fifteen total. Let's start on the Knicks side. A lot of ownership going to RJ Barrett. A lot of ownership going to Julius Randle. This is on FanDuel, by the way. On DraftKings, they're not picking up much love. Um, Tibbs is starting to run these guys into the ground. It didn't take very long. Randle playing huge minutes. Barrett playing huge minutes. I love these guys today. And it never makes me happy to want to roster guys from the Knicks. How are you handling the heavy ownership on Randle and Barrett on FanDuel? Yeah, so...
0: I think that it's easiest to get away from Barrett to an extent just because he's so popular and the floor is so low for him. Uh, I think in cash games, you probably just want to play RJ Barrett anyway, uh, but I'm more inclined to just kind of go cheap and punt the small forward position at FanDuel and just hope that none of the, the expensive guys have massive games. So Barrett playing against the Raptors, it, it's just, it, it's a really tough matchup and Barrett is so far from what we've seen from him in the year plus he's been in the NBA, he's been massively disappointing. And the way he started the year too, the first game of the season, he went three of three from three. He hasn't made a three pointer since. So RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett can't shoot. The, he's actually finished pretty well at the rim this year. He's finishing up uh, 56% in the restricted area, which oddly is the same exact number as Mitchell Robinson. But in general, <laughs> what we've seen from, from RJ Barrett, he couldn't finish at the rim his rookie or he couldn't finish at the rim in college. So I'm looking now at this team where it's RJ Barrett can't shoot. The Knicks in general don't have a team that shoots very well, so there's no floor spacing. Historically, R.J. Barrett can't finish at the rim, so I just don't think he's going to have a very good season, at least relative to expectations, right? I mean, he was a guy who last year was kind of viewed as a can't-miss type prospect. And then there's also, there's blowout risk in this game. It's a very difficult defense against the Raptors. The ownership's really high on him, so I, I think that that's a guy who I'm probably going to end up lighter uh, on the field then. Um, I, I have a feeling you might, you might think differently, so...
2: Uh, No, I'm Barrett. I'm I'm with you. Uh, The minutes are always nice. Um, The volatility here scares me a bit. The guy that I want to load up on is Julius Randle. And I know that the spot is a little tough just because Toronto is just good, but he's playing monster minutes and he's going to do whatever he wants. Uh, He's going to shoot as much as he would like. Uh, I have him projected for like a really nice, like 20, 20 something in 10 type line. Uh, 8K on Fandle doesn't really bother me. Power forward eligibility looks good. I think he's the best power forward option of the day. I think his current ownership is too low. He showed up in my optimal 44% of the time. I'm loading up on Julius Randle. And I don't think that I have like a crazy projection for him either. I have him at 40 fantasy points on Fandle on the dot. So it's not as if like I think he's breaking free from the pack or anything like that. I want to load up on Randle. I want to have some Barrett. I think Mitchell Robinson looks great at 5,200. I think Alfred Payton looks fine at 5,200. On DraftKings, though, I don't think that these guys are all that interesting. The prices are just not where I want them to be. I think Mitchell Robinson's properly owned. I think Alfred Payton's properly owned. Randall at 8,800 is just too expensive there for me to want to go full bore. FanDuel is the spot that I want the Knicks.
0: You know, you know what's funny always about fantasies? Like you look at the power forwards and the guy who Randall is. is- priced around and it's guys who are undeniably better basketball players than i'm like pascal siakam is cheaper zion williamson is basically the same price and you're at a point where you're actually legitimately have to ask yourself do i prefer julius Randle or zion williamson and you can make a case for julius Randle, uh but it's just funny that in fantasy we actually have to compare these players because the real life production and what they actually do on the court doesn't really matter as much when it comes to fantasy
2: yeah like i prefer randall at power forward today by a lot to zion but like you know, they're obviously very different players in the, the grand scheme of things, although Laffy thinks they're the same guy, which is <laughs> craziness. Neither here nor there. Uh, anything else you want to do from the Knicks? Like, we, a lot of questionable tags here, so this could change a lot. Alec Burks is questionable. Quickly is questionable. Austin Rivers is questionable. Uh, I'm treating those guys like they are in right now, none of which would be all that interesting. Um, if they start dropping off, we might see a little bit more value open up, up from the Knicks, but... Otherwise, like, I don't have much interest on DraftKings, and I'm going to load up on FanDuel.
0: Yeah, so about the Burks, I also assume that he's in right now. If he's out, I'm going to have to change my stance on R.J. Barrett because then Barrett gets yeah. extra playing time, and then he just shoots more than he normally would. But if Burks is in, Burks cuts into Barrett's playing time a little bit, and he cuts into the usage, too, because Alec Burks is a fairly high usage rating player who's going to have, you know, a usage somewhere around 25%. Uh, doesn't really pass the ball much when he's on the court. So no. that, that's going that's going to make a difference in how I view some of these other Knicks players if Burks ends up not playing. And that would also help El, uh, help Alfred Payton a little bit.
2: On the Toronto side, Siakam picking up some love. Uh, he's in about a third of lineups right now. Um, Lowry, similar ownership. Van Vliet, Ananobi, Norm Powell, all in like the 20% area. I feel like Norm Powell's going a little overowned, although I understand why it's happening. there's not a lot of value on the slate, so he is getting uh, brought up. But I think that these guys are all just like sort of properly owned. The guy that I'm most interested in in this game is OG and anobi I think he's going a little bit underrepresented he's fifty eight hundred on DraftKings, projected for nine percent ownership either i'm crazy or I'm ultra interested. I think that he should be like three times his owned on DK. I got him projected for 28 fantasy points. Best I could tell, that seems to be like a relatively normal projection for him. These guys are playing monster minutes. You guys know, like everybody knows what you're getting out of Toronto. Siakam, Van Vliet, OG, Lowry. These guys are going to play 36 minutes or more every single night. I want to load up on OG on drafting. So I'm curious your thoughts.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say load up on him, but I think he's an upside play and is probably going a little bit overlooked.
2: Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use
1: an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you consider how
0: thin the slate is, uh, particularly at the small forward position, because I mean, there's Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram at the top. They're both expensive. Then you kind of get into the, the mid range of pricing and then you got like Buddy Heald is 6,800 on DraftKings, where he's 5,400 on FanDuel. So it's hard to find guys to like at the small forward position. So that is something that makes OG Ananobi interesting. But at 5,800, it's, it, I can't view him as a guy who's like, oh, no doubt, he's definitely going to, to like destroy the slate. So I guess my follow-up question, to that would be, is what percentage of the time do you think he's in the optimal
2: lineup? I have it at 27. Okay.
0: Um, I don't run those same kind of sims that you do. I have a feeling if I did... I would have it significantly lower. And then I'm kind of curious now when I write up my boom bust article later in the day for the site, uh what, what Alex has that, because we also have that in in his yeah. in, in in from his projections what it ends up in the optimal. That that feels a little high to me. Um mm-hmm. especially because I think there's added uh volatility or just because I, there's a pretty good chance I think
2: the Raptors just smashed the Knicks. I'm trying to look it up right now to see where Alex has and anobi. Um Not remotely close to me, that's for sure. (laughs) Ananobi. Yeah, uh, significantly different. Four and a half. I'd probably be somewhere in between your numbers. I'm also three fantasy points higher on Ananobi today. So maybe I need to dial in a little bit of OG Ananobi looks. That's for sure. (laughs) But either way, uh, like even if I walked him back a bit, I'm 3X the field on Ananobi. He would be one of my key plays today. So here's the
0: biggest pushback I have to uh, your thoughts on Ananobi. And that's going to be his usage rating because three games so far this season, his usage is 16%, 9% and 15%. So the shots just aren't really there for him. The defensive stats are terrific, uh, right? He's he's somebody who's going to get a lot of steals, get a lot of blocks. You can make a case that he's probably going to be a guy who's going to be all defensive first team this year. And his. Arguably the best perimeter defender in the entire NPA. So the defensive stats are always going to be there. I just worry about the upside of a guy who just hardly ever shoots.
2: I get it. <laughs> I mean, he's not like an awesome offensive dynamo or anything like that. Um, it is going to be one of the first projections that I go and like dive back into. Uh, but for right now, Ananobi looks like a solid value for me on DK, especially relative to his ownership. What do you want to do with the rest of these guys? Uh, do you have interest in Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam? Uh, the ownership is already there. So I'm curious if you're trying to find any edge anywhere for the Raptors.
0: I mean, on... On FanDuel, I think it's hard to get away from Siakam at power forward. It's easier on draft games where there's more games, he's more expensive. But 7400 for Siakam when there's only a handful of power forward options that we could go to, he's it's, it's somebody that I think it's just mandatory to have him in the player pool.
2: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more there. Um, 35% of the time showing up in the optimal on FanDuel. Spot on his ownership number right now, almost down to the 10th of a percent. I have it at 35.3. Ownership is 35.4, so that's looking pretty neutral. Look, I just I like rostering Toronto. If it's a blowout, they're still probably playing 32 minutes, and these guys are the ones that did it. Uh, I have no problem getting to the Raptors today. They actually are my second favorite team behind Sacramento, just in the aggregate. That feels kind of scary, but that's what happens when you face the Knicks. I'm not super worried about anything coming out of New York. Who's your favorite play in this game?
0: Um, favorite overall play in the game. It's probably Mitchell Robinson, actually. It just because he's somebody who I I still think I'm high. And by the way, if it's FanDuel specific. I'll talk about DraftKings sure. afterwards. Uh so. Yeah. So for FanDuel, the the reason Mitchell Robinson is because he's somebody who the defensive stats for him could be really significant if he stays out of foul trouble. I thought that he was going to set like block records in the NBA when when you saw what he did in his first Mm. season where he averaged, it was like three blocks per game in like 18 minutes. And the defensive stats are still there for him. He's just a little bit less aggressive now because he's trying to stay out of foul trouble. But it's nice to see. I mean, he's averaging right around three fouls per game this year. So kind of keeping his hands to himself a little bit the block numbers are still okay for him so i think at his price at 5200 and don't forget when we saw him start the last time two years ago he got up to over seven thousand salary and that was in his rookie season so i think that you look at him right now as a guy who also if the game is a blowout like mitchell robinson's still playing in the fourth quarter of a blowout anyway they're not going to new Orleans noel or something like that no so i think I think that for the price, Mitchell Robinson has the most upside of anybody in, uh, in this game on the Knicks.
2: I am with you on that one. He is my highest-ranked guy relative to salary on FanDuel. That $5,200 price tag looks really nice. Let's see. Where do I have him just in general at the position? Um, first. I have him not... Yeah, I was going to say I have him number one right now. (laughs) I have him first, Gobert second, and then no one else is really close for third. So, spoiler alert, uh, I like Rudy Gobert tonight on FanDuel. Anything else you want to touch on from the Knicks and the Raptors? Uh,
0: No, I know that your favorite Raptor is going to be O.G. OG Ananobi.
2: He absolutely is, at least uh, on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it's probably Siakam. Yeah, it's Siakam. OG's close, but Siakam edges him out. 7,400 for a guy that legitimately could play 40 minutes tonight, and it would not be surprising. If this game happens to stay close, Siakam's going to be out there. But uh, yeah, Siakam on FanDuel, OG on DK.
0: There, there isn't really a player on DK that I have uh, a, a massive feel towards being a great play, so I, I don't really have an answer for that one.
2: Fair enough. 800 concurrent viewers, 128 likes. Not nearly enough, guys. Hit the thumbs up. It's the final show of 2020. Let's see if we can get all 800 people in here to hit that thumbs up. It would be awesome if you guys would do that. Got a ton of shows coming up for the rest of the day. So coming up immediately after this at 11 a.m., Lafayette and Matt are going to do the NFL strategy show at 2 p.m., a FanDuel-specific NFL strategy show from Matt and Kyle then 4.30 Eastern Time. We're going a little earlier today. Laffy and Adam will be doing the NBA Deeper Dive. They'll take you through every single game on the slate once again. And then, Greg, you are back at 5.30 with Spags taking everyone up until lock. It's a good day of content. And if you're interested in what we have behind the paywall, boy, do I have a deal for you. Celebrate 2021 with Awesome O+. Plus. You can get 20 days of Awesomo Plus for just $21. That's projections, ownership, lineup builder, boom bus tool, uh, premium slack, and more. You can do that. Just use the, wait, the promo code is happy? I thought the promo code was 2021. Oh, okay. Two separate deals in the read that I did not realize. (laughs) Promo code 2021 gets you 20 days for $21. You can get 20% off an Awesomo plus yearly package using the promo code HAPPY. Boy, I missed that one the first time that I did that read, so I don't want to miss it again. And the final word in this read is don't miss it. Well, I missed it. (laughs) Promo code HAPPY for 20% off an annual pass. Use the promo code 2021 for 20 days at $21. You can't beat that one, honestly. That's like a dollar a day. I have way worse habits for a dollar a day than subscribing to Awesome. That would be a fantastic habit to have. Yeah, how could anybody miss it? I agree. (laughs) Two more games to go here. Oh, God, this is going to be a really difficult slate unless we get some news. The New Orleans Pelicans at the Oklahoma City Thunder Pels five-and-a-half-point favorites in Oklahoma City, 215 total. (laughs) Guess what? My workbook is now frozen once again. So give me your thoughts on the New Orleans Pelicans today.
0: Yeah, so starting with the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, something we debated a little bit before that I'm going to feel a little bit differently than you on is Zion Williamson versus Julius Randle. I still think of of Zion as the better play of the two. Number one, the, the Thunder roster is so bad, and it's kind of hard a few games into the season to figure out what the proper adjustment is to make for matchups going up against the team. And the Thunder had a very strong defense that muted fantasy production last year. I don't really think that's going to be the case as much this year. They've totally overhauled the roster. There's different motivations there. This is not really a team that's playing for a playoff spot, or at least I don't think they're going to. And Zion Williamson is still a, a guy who is fantasy point per minute production, I think is going to be insanely high this year. And I think the minutes will be there for him. So something that was a real concern for us last year, whenever the, whenever the Pelicans were playing is how much playing time is Zion going to get? Cause sometimes it's 24 minutes, sometimes it's 28, but generally we didn't really see him get full minutes. But look at him so far this year where last game he only got 29 minutes, but that was because the game was a blowout. The two games before that, Zion played 38 minutes and 38 minutes. So if we're going to get Zion Williamson playing like 36 to 38 minutes per game, I think he finishes the season as one of the higher-priced players in DFS. Uh, Just the question is going to be how sustainable are those minutes and is that going to be something we see from him regularly? To me, I think it's a yes. I think year two for Zion, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to play a ton of minutes. And I think some of the injury concerns with him are probably a little bit overblown. But given what we've seen from him so far, I, I think he's I think he's going to be terrific.
2: I like him. Uh, I just don't like him as much as Randall or as much as Siakam relative to the salary. Uh, I actually like Bagley probably more at power forward on Fanduel than I do Zion. The, they're pretty similar, but obviously Bagley in a very different salary tier. Not that I won't have him, uh, but he's projected for 30% ownership on FanDuel. I think that's about where it should be. Uh he's projected for 25% ownership on DraftKings. Uh from that standpoint, I think that's about where it should be. So I have no issue getting to Zion. I assume I'm right around the field on him. I don't have like any sort of negative take for Zion. Uh, Lonzo's picking up some love 20% owned on FanDuel, but the guy that I think we really need to talk about $9,400 Brandon Ingram, 28% ownership on FanDuel. Are you going to get to Brandon Ingram? That feels like a little bit too much ownership given that price tag. All right. So Part of the reason that I'm concerned about Brandon Ingram is
0: some of the same reason I like Zion Williamson, where if Zion's playing a bunch of extra minutes, Zion's such a high usage guy that has to take away from Brandon Ingram as the season goes forward. And this isn't really a knock on Ingram, who's already a million times better than I've ever thought he was going to be. I was ultra wrong on him a couple of years ago. But still, in terms of his actual production, his counting stats, he was great last year. He won most improved player and, and rightfully so. But still, I think that now that we're getting a lot more minutes from Zion, that's going to take away from the counting stats of Ingram.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the ownership. I don't want to go all that high to Ingr- – like. I don't think there's enough value out there on the slate to make Brandon Ingram look really great at 9400 And then if you are trying to go to small forward, if you're not paying up for Ingram, everybody else is $6,500 or below. There is a giant gap between Ingram and everybody else. Ingram's sort of on an island just in price, even across the entire slate. Like Kyle Lowry is 8K. That's the most expensive point guard. You have Harden at 11.5, then Shea at 8,400. So there's nobody in the nines there. There's nobody in the nines at power forward. Everybody is Christian Wood, 8,800 or below. Rudy Gobert is the most expensive center at 7,700. Is this just a case where... You kind of just end up paying up for Ingram by default because there aren't any other options there. Uh, Is that why his ownership is as high as it is? Because I would rather go to Ananobi, obviously. I would rather go to R.J. Barrett. I would probably rather go to like Harrison Barnes. I'd rather pay down to Daniel House. It just doesn't feel like a spot where I want to invest $9,400 of my salary.
0: Yeah, neither do I. Just points per dollar, I, I don't have them projected well. The thing that's interesting, though, is, all right, so if we get to a situation now where the Rockets are starting... Christian Wood alongside DeMarcus Cousins, and we also have John Wall in the starting lineup. I do wonder then just where do I pay up in my lineups if I don't end up getting to a lot of James Harden on on FanDuel? So maybe that's a situation where I end up maybe getting more Ingram than I think it would. Like, I barely have any of them in my initial build just because I have them projected so poorly as a point-per-dollar play. The 9,400 is so steep
2: right now I I would guess that I would have very minimal amounts of Brandon Ingram, just given his current owner. Like if Locke were right now, given his ownership, I would be well underneath the field. Uh, On the DraftKings side, basically everybody from the Pelicans is getting ownership ball Zion, Bledsoe, Ingram Adams, Reddick and Hart. all between like 13 and for Zion, 25%, but basically between 13 and 17 for everybody. What stands out most to you from the Pels on the DK end?
0: Yeah, so it's still Zion. Zion at 7900 And then we're at a spot, too, on on DraftKings where when we're talking about Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson is cheaper than Brandon Ingram. And, you know, maybe there are people who just think, well, Zion's fat Julius Randle, and they just think he's no good, and they don't, they don't want to roster him. But I'm still looking at Zion Williamson as the much better prospect and long-term better fantasy producer than Brandon Ingram. So give me the $100 cheaper and I, I'll i happily get to Zion. Like, I'm, I'm still very yeah. bullish on Zion long-term. I think he's going to be terrific.
2: Same. Uh, I, I love the dude. I think he's going to be fantastic. He's so much fun to watch. His ceiling will come from how good he can be defensively. I think he's basically unstoppable on offense. Which, uh,
0: by the way, just to bring that up, so... When he was at Duke, he was actually an excellent defensive player and had really good defensive stats. We didn't really see that from him last year. We're seeing it a little bit to start the year so far. Uh, We look at the last couple of games, uh, a steal, and then the game before, five steals and a block. So he's putting up multiple blocks and steals basically every single game. So that's going to be a huge boon to him, particularly on on FanDuel.
2: We have to touch on one thing that we didn't really touch on um, when we were on the FanDuel side. Eric Bledsoe is 4800 And And uh, let's just say that he hasn't had the best start to this season. He is, I think, the best value shooting guard option today. I'm going right back to Bledsoe. It doesn't appear the public is going very heavily. Only 15% ownership. You going to take that Bledsoe beating? Oh, absolutely. And by the way,
0: he, he has had one good game with the Pelicans. That was on opening night when he was playing the Raptors and he was at 5,600. He scored over 30 fantasy points Uh, next three games after that. Absolute stinkers where the usage isn't really there for him. The minutes weren't there. Now last game, keep in mind also, that was a, that was like a 30 point loss to the Suns. So the stars didn't really play much in the second half of that game. So that's where the, the muted minutes for Bledsoe came from, but he's still somebody who I think is going to be playing over 30 minutes for the season. He's still a good point per minute fantasy producer over the course of his career And I'm not going to look at three games and just ignore what's happened over the last, whatever, six years with Eric Bledsoe. So the price of 4,800 is, is really cheap. And there's so much bias built into that too, where people just hate Eric Bledsoe, right? Like he's, he's one of the least liked players in the NBA. Everybody just assumed the gap between Eric Bledsoe, his actual value and what the public thinks of him is probably a bigger gap than any other player in the NBA.
2: Yeah, just because Eric Bledsoe hasn't been good in the second round of the playoffs does not invalidate his regular season performance. Um, I don't care how he looks in the playoffs when I'm trying to roster him on a random Thursday.
0: No, and there are legitimate concerns about him in the playoffs and how it's defended, how it's called, his inability to shoot. But in general, he's been a guy who's been a borderline all-star for most of his NBA regular season career. And I'm not just going to totally forget about that because he's sucked in three games in a row.
2: Would you rather have Buddy Healed or Bledsoe on FanDuel tonight, separated by $600? Uh,
0: if price didn't matter, it would be Buddy Healed, but assuming the price does matter and just points per dollar, then Bledsoe.
2: Okay. Uh, anything else from the Pelicans side of this game?
0: Uh, no, I think we pretty much hit on a lot of them. I mean, the Pelicans guys, you can make cases for playing a lot of them, but there's nobody who stands out as a great play relative to ownership for me, other than Zion, who I really like a lot.
2: Well, speaking of great plays, we'll go over to the Oklahoma City side. Number one contender on DraftKings, third, I believe, on FanDuel. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is 8,400 on FanDuel, 8,100 on DK. And to me, one of the best plays of the day, regardless of site. This dude's usage rate is massive. He's doing everything for the Thunder. If the shots just happen to fall, it's going to be big-time fantasy performances. I will happily eat up as much Shea as I can get today. I love him.
0: He, I mean, he's a stud. It's, it's ridiculous. The, the haul of Thunder were, gonna, the, the Thunder were able to get from the Clippers with no leverage in a trade for Paul George. Paul George okay. just showed up. He's like, hey, I want to be traded. Not only do I want to be traded, I only want to be traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. And somehow they got one of the best young guards in the NBA and SGA, and they got the draft picks until like until like until after Forever. both of us are going to be dead. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was a ridiculous haul that they got in that trade. And SGA is going to be absolutely ridiculous this year from a fantasy perspective. We're already seeing it uh, in the usage rating right around 30%. And then also, I mean, somebody he's rebounding the ball, the assists are there. The defensive stats are always going to be there for him also. But there's just nobody else to do anything on this Thunder team. SGA has to do everything for them. So he's, he's just going to, be, he's going to be a monster for fantasy.
2: Yes, he is. I couldn't be happier to use him. Uh, This is just like the spot. If you're trying to project Shea and you're using anything from last year, like you're going to have to go in and make some manual adjustments. My baseline numbers, because we don't have a ton of uh, the season in here yet. And I'd use a lot of regression. He's a 0.97 fantasy point per minute guy by making the adjustments to the rates that he's seeing so far this season, he becomes like a 1.25 guy. He's the guy with the biggest change in his baseline for now, because he's just got a completely different role. There's no Chris Paul. There's no Dennis Schroeder. There's no Danilo Gallinari. This is just his world. He can do whatever he wants. He's very clearly the best option for me from Oklahoma city. After that, if you get a little Baisley, a little Dort, uh, a little Horford, I think that's fine. Does anybody stand out to you from the rest of the thunder? So Al
0: Horford actually does. Um, The the one concern that I have with him has just been the minutes haven't been there for him so far. So that's a little bit disappointing. But it's something I brought up on basically every single slate with OKC on it so far this year. If you look at his numbers from last year with the 76ers, he was largely terrible. But I think a lot of it was because of a poor fit with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. When you take those guys off the court. Per 36 minutes, Al Horford is averaging 16 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. So he was very effective when those guys were off the court. And in theory, he should have that same kind of situation this year with the Thunder, where there's better floor spacing. He gets to play in his natural position. Like he doesn't just have to play like forward for them. He gets to actually play center. So I think that his I think his permanent rates are going to be very good this year. The only reason I'm not going super heavy on Al Horford right now is because in the first two games, he only played 29 minutes. I think there is a chance for him to start playing more than that, and that's definitely the floor. There's no spot where all of a sudden we're going to see how play like 25 minutes, but if Horford was somebody who I could confidently project to play like 32, 34 minutes, I would absolutely love him, uh, but I'll be, I'll be overweight to the field on him today.
2: I like him more on DraftKings than I do on FanDuel. Um, he's not really picking up all that much ownership. 13% owned on DK. What do you make of George Hill's 16% ownership on DraftKings? That's the second highest mark from someone from the Thunder.
0: Yeah, so I'm more concerned about his minutes even than Al Horford's because George Hill, when he's when he's played in games, and we've also seen him rest at times, the minutes have really not been there for him. I mean, two games that he's played 24 and 25 minutes, uh, I understand the price is cheap, but it's still, for for a guy who's playing that few minutes, it's hard for me to project him very well.
2: Yeah, it's, I, I don't totally understand the ownership, but like I, I think he's probably like my fifth favorite Thunder guy, so I don't think that I want 16% of my fifth favorite guy from the Thunder. Uh, anything else for Pell's Thunder? we got one more game to go.
0: No, that, that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, definitely SGA, my favorite guy on the Thunder to pay up for. And then Al Horford, just as a contrarian play, somebody I'll be overweight to.
2: Phoenix Suns at the Utah Jazz, Jazz three and a half point favorites, two 218 total coming into this one. We'll start on the Phoenix side, uh, Booker and Chris Paul, both north of 20% ownership on FanDuel, uh, Aiton, Bridges, Cam Johnson, all in like the teens area. And then on DraftKings, it's Chris Paul at 19%, no one else north of 8%. So let's talk about it either side, whatever direction you want to go, what stands out most to you from the Suns?
0: Uh, I assume I'm going to be underweight to the field on every single player from the Suns on both Fandle and DraftKings today. It's a tough matchup. It's it's a tough matchup against the Jazz. The other thing, too, is that now that Chris Paul is in the mix, number one, I think Chris Paul alongside Devin Booker in the backcourt, I think that's going to make for Chris Paul to have less production this year than we saw from him last year, which we've seen so far this season. His... His points per minute production hasn't quite been there. And they're also easing up on his minutes per game a little bit. They don't necessarily need him to do as much as he had to do last year with the Thunder. But then I also think Devin Booker is going to lose out on some ball handling duty. I think we're going to see the usage down a little bit, which is also something we've seen so far this year. He's a usage rating under 30%. So I think that Chris Paul and Devin Booker are both going to eat into each other's production a little bit. And this is a tough matchup playing against the Jazz.
2: I think that the Suns on DraftKings are the worst team that you could roster clear across the board. I basically don't have them in anything. Uh, I think Chris Paul's going wildly over-owned. Uh, I think Booker is probably slightly over-owned on FanDuel, but Chris Paul's probably my least favorite play on the slate, just relative to public ownership. Like he's clearly good, but I don't want him if he's getting that sort of ownership. 26% owned on FanDuel today. That's, I don't, I don't want that at all. like, would you rather have Chris Paul or De'Aaron Fox? Fox is six hundred dollars more expensive.
0: It's it's easily De'Aaron Fox. So like the the dummy build I did this morning, I have Fox actually ended up being the point guard I rostered the most, and Chris Paul was in like three lineups
2: total. I have just point guard on FanDuel. Fox Ball, Lowry Conley, Peyton Wall before I get to Chris Paul. I'm just um, not interested.
0: Let's- yeah, I, that's, the, that's the same for me. I, I barely had any lineups with Chris Ball and just the dummy lineups I made.
2: I don't. I just don't get it. Booker looks fine on FanDuel. I think Bridges looks fine, but the ownership is already there, so I don't want to go too crazy. I think Aiton's probably picking up a little bit too much love. Um, I might be a little light there as well. Anything else you want to touch on from Phoenix? They just do not look good, particularly on DK. No,
0: I don't think... I mean, I don't think they look particularly good on FanDuel either, so it's... <laughs> I mean, I guess you kind of get forced into some of them at some point because there's only four games on the slate. But yeah. I'm going to be underweight to the field. I think on every single player on the on the Sun side of the game.
2: For the Jazz, uh, Gobert, Conley, Mitchell, O'Neal, Bogdanovich, and Ingles all somewhere in the ten to twenty percent range of ownership on the DraftKings side. You're seeing Royce O'Neal be the chalkiest play from the Jazz. I have Conley as my favorite. On Fanduel, although Rudy Gobert is pretty close on DraftKings, I think it's probably Mitchell for me. Although I think all of these guys are pretty much properly owned, I don't see a lot of leverage to the field here. And you kind of just know what you're getting from the Jazz. They run a pretty tight rotation. You know who's going to get in that 30 to 34 minute range pretty much every night. Do you see any good value coming out of Utah? Uh, not playing Joe Ingles. I think it's weird that he.
0: I don't. I think it's weird that he keeps picking up ownership. Like every slate, Joe Ingles is somewhat popular for Utah. But yeah. his minutes and the usage, neither of them are there. So when he's on the court, he's not producing all the well, and he's not even on the court all that often. He's playing well under 30 minutes per game. The most minutes he's played all season so far is 27, and his usage rate is 16%. So when you consider all that for Joe Ingles, I just don't see somebody as being a particularly great play. I understand that small forward is just a very difficult position to fill on FanDuel, but even so, the minutes aren't there, the usage isn't there, but the, but the ownership is. So he's somebody who – I think my biggest stance of the game is just I don't like Joe Ingles as much as in public.
2: Um, We're on the same page. Would you rather have Eric Gordon or Ingles tonight?
0: Uh, Eric Gordon, but, I mean, realistically, the answer is probably going to be not much of either of them.
2: Okay. Uh, There's not really anybody else around Ingles in price that I think is interesting. Like, I'd rather have Daniel House than Ingles for $700 cheaper, although I'm not ultra excited about any of those options. These guys are just – they just exist, like – I assume after I run a crunch, I'll have, you know, 15% Gobert and 15% Conley and 15% Mitchell and Bogdanovich. And, like, you just rotate through the jazz and hope you get the guy that goes to 7.5x and and hope you are a little bit lighter on the guy that doesn't. Like, someone will inevitably be decent from the Utah core, and I think that it's essentially random to figure out who that is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we had that happen the other night, right, where Mike Conley was, like, 2% owned and scored a gazillion fantasy points, which is really funny, too, because... I remember that's so like Mike Conley was the difference maker, and I doubt there was a single person who targeted Mike Conley, but I had a few lineups that were live to win GPPs that night, and it was like, oh, I just happened to have four Mike Conley lineups randomly because he's just in the mix there. And that's kind of how I feel about, about these Jazz guys, to your point, is that there's none of them other than I think you said you like Rudy Gobert a little bit, but yeah. outside of that, there's no one player that really stands out to me as a great play, but there's going to be a bunch of guys who I just have like 5 6%. And because I, I think that there's a chance for any of these guys to have a decent game, but nobody that I'm actually actively targeting.
2: Yeah, I like Gobert a little bit on FanDuel. He's the most expensive center. It's just kind of a weird position today. I mean, your other options are DeAndre Ayton is the second most expensive center. Then buckle up for this one. Demarcus Cousins is the third most expensive center on FanDuel. You get Boucher, Steven Adams, Horford, Holmes. Like, there's just not a lot there. So Gobert feels probably like the safest option. And at least on FanDuel where blocks are three, like I guess he could really have a crazy day. But ultimately, just rotate through the guys that I'll play like 28 minutes or more for the Jazz. Uh, no one individually stands out. Anything yeah. else for this game or the rest of the slate? We are 1057. No, we, we,
0: uh, we ran through that hour. Uh, I hope we get some news. So there's actual value plays I like. I, I hope there's a case where, because this happens all the time, I do the morning show and then there's like two hours later. It's like, oh, all the guys I like this morning... I like totally different guys now. So I hope that's the case for this slate. So when I do live before lock with Chris Spags later on, I I certainly hope we're talking about different players.
2: Well, good luck with that. Make sure you guys are tuning in. Hit that like button. There's a thousand of you here now. I wish we we can keep going. and just keep talking about this, but we got to turn it over to the NFL crew. Good luck today, guys. Be safe tonight. Get yourself an Uber if you're out, if you need to. Don't be driving. But uh, let's say goodbye to 2020 in the best way, or to, goodbye to 2020 in the best way possible. Hello to 2021. I will be back here tomorrow morning. That one's gonna be pretty tough. So bear with me on the Friday edition of this because, well, January 1st shows are pretty tough. Good luck today, guys. We're out of here. Peace.